In episode 32 of MobyCast, we finish our series on application logging. In particular, we discuss how Kelsus leverages Sumo logic to manage the logs of their projects. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. Hello, welcome, Rich and Chris. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good, good. So, as as usual, um, I always want to know what you've been up to. What have you been up to this week, Rich? Uh, so we're bringing on a on a new contractor for a trial period to do some more administrative um, assistant type stuff. So, been working with him a little bit to get him onboarded into our system and building out processes. So, fun stuff. Pretty boring, but I mean necessary because <laughs> it means that hopefully I'll be doing a few less things, um, a few less recurring things week to week. So excited to see see that happen. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. Congrats on the growth. Yeah, thank you. Um, and how about you, Chris? Yeah, I have uh, been busy getting over uh, a nasty a nasty bug, and so kind of happy to be back to to normal health. Um, and then also been pretty exciting. We've uh, we've hired a new a product manager here at Kelsus, and um, so I've been spending a lot of time with 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 him and ramping him up and and just getting him up to speed on all the projects that we got going on here. Great, yeah. It's for myself, also busy. I've been trying to compress a week of work into three days because I'm heading out of town tomorrow and Friday um, to do a little surfing in Baja. So a little vacation is exciting for me. Yeah. So two weeks now, we've been talking about logging. And, um, you know, there's just, it's just so much to cover and, and we've, we've tried to be pretty in depth and discuss not just best practices, but really how we do things, um, at Kelsis. And that comes from not just decisions we made at Kelsis, but from our entire careers of writing software and working with logs. And I think we'll just wrap that up this week. Um, so towards the end of last week, we were, we got, we got kind of down in the weeds talking about exactly how, our tool, Sumo Logic, gets logs off of containers and uh, over to itself. Um, so maybe you could just recap that at a high level, and then we'll spend the rest of the day, the rest of the um, the episode, just talking more about Sumo Logic, how we use it. And I think even if you don't use Sumo Logic, this will be a it'll be just kind of a good discussion of what you should expect out of your log aggregation tool, um, and if it doesn't have some of these features. Um, then you'll know you haven't chosen a good one. And if you have, if you have already chosen one, and you're not using some of these features of it, maybe this will will help you kind of dig in and know more about your own log collection software. So, Chris, go ahead, remind us how we get the logs off the containers and into Sumo Logic. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think where we we last left off is we we have these our application logs being being dumped to files. We've we've done volume mounts to to create. Um, ways to have these these files leave the container and go to the host. Um, now they're sitting on the host file system. And now we have to do something with those, right? Get those ingested somewhere else into an actual um, tool or platform that will allow us to analyze and 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 search on those logs. Since we we definitely can't do it manually, you know, by SSHing into a machine and actually hand reading a, a file, if you will. So. Um, Again, we use Sumo Logic. There's tons of, of log services out there to use, things like Logly or Splunk. Um, 
there's Logstash, there's, I mean, there's, there's literally like, there might be a hundred different solutions out there. Um, and a, and a lot of them really do a pretty good job. Um, especially the, 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 the more popular ones. Um, but we use Sumo Logic. Um, and so the goal then becomes like, okay, you have all these logs that are piling up each one of the applica- each one of our microservices that are containerized or outputting these files. How do we now get those over to Sumo Logic and in a, in a sane namespace way that we can now look through those logs and, and um, understand them and, and to do things like reporting and, and, and uh, generate uh, events or alerts when we have to. Um, many different options for folks that are using something like Sumo Logic um, for, for doing that. You can ranging from in your application itself, almost all of these services have API calls where you can directly ship those log events to the service. So you, you can even just bypass the log files if you want. Um, some pros of that, I think there's a lot of cons to it. You now have a, you know, a dependency. Um, what happens if your connection goes bad? Like what's the latency of doing that? Um, you can do things like fire and forget, um, which basically means you don't wait for it to be successful. You just continue on, but um, definitely would not recommend that technique. There's um, Maybe just get into the the like what we do. Um, Sumo Logic provides a an agent. Um, it's a collector, um, and really all it is 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 just a piece of code that um, runs on the host. You tell it what part of the file system to look for and what kind of um, file spec. Um, so give it a regex. Like these are the the names of the log files or the the patterns that they'll match to go look for. It registers these file system change notification. It registers for the file system change events. Um, and so whenever these files are updated, it can then read the new um, lines that have been added to that file. It pulls them out, um, marshals them up, and then ships them over the wire to the Sumo Logic service um, and then goes back into to listening mode. And so, um, so we set up one of these collector agents um, on each one of the hosts inside of our ECS cluster. So we don't do one per container, one per microservice. It's not a sidecar. Um, we actually have it set up so that it's just one per EC2 host because um, that's really all you you need. Great. Um, so the, the logs are making their way over. We trust that it's working, um, that that those log collectors are, are running and not forgetting any logs and we're getting all of our logs into Sumo Logic. So once they're in there, what do we do with them? How do we look at them? Why do we look at them? When do we look at them? Right. Yeah. So, so some of the first considerations that come into place, right, is namespacing. So, you know, you you may have a handful, you may have tens, you may have hundreds of of, of microservices running, containerized mm-hmm. microservices running, right, and they're all outputting their logs, and again, you're collecting all these with the with with your agent, sending them over there, and, and it's just this stream of just of just thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of log events. And so, you know, you need to make sense of that. So one of the very first things you, you want to do is you want to do some, some namespacing um, to at least separate your each microservice into its, so that you can basically say, I only want to see the events for, you know, microservice A or microservice B. Um, so that's, that's one thing you want to make sure you do. Um, and that's and, sort of the equivalent of, you know, in the old days, 
I'm going to go log on to the machine that has that microservice running, go into the directory where the logs are getting created and look at them. Yep, yeah, exactly. So again, it's going it's to depend on your log service, like um, how you do that namespacing. Um, but with, uh, um, with Sumo Logic, we have a, um, we can leverage exactly that. Like what is the file name? What's the, what's the location that's being written to on the host? Um, that ends up becoming the way that it makes it pretty easy to um, namespace it on a per application basis. Um, I guess a quick, Quick question on namespacing um, along those same lines is, can, do you namespace all the way down to, for example, the the, ser- the ECS service that's running so that I can tell the difference between you know service A and service B that might be running either on the same instance or on different instances, but so, I, so that I can just see different containers and their outputs and tell them apart? Is that do you do that at the namespace level? I guess is my question, or do you do that somewhere else? Because we do need so, to do it, right? So, you, so you, are you are you referring like I may have like three instances of of my microservice? My let's let's call yes. it like a, it's an e-commerce microservice or something like that. And and yes. I have for for scalability and redundant redundance, um, I have three separate containers running the same code, load balanced, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so you're asking, my job on this po- podcast, making it more understandable. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of 10,000 listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review or a rating. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. All right, let's dive back in. And so, so then you're asking, like, okay, can I actually go look? I want to look at container A versus container B versus container C. Yeah, exactly, because maybe only one of your container instances is having some sort of problem, and you want to see that one. Mm-hmm. So a few things here. One, usually you don't need to do that. Like you just want to look at it on an application basis. So like, I would just say like, go look at all the logs for, can, uh, for this, for my e-commerce microservice. And what are the symptoms? Like what, what is it that's wrong? Right. That, that's what I'd be searching on. So go, maybe it's like the performance is really slow. So go look at all requests that took longer than five, I don't know, like a, a second or something like that. More, more mm-hmm. than a, more than a thousand milliseconds or, Go look at all the ones that are returning, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a 500 error or it's emitting warning level log events or something like that. So you, you can use that to, to definitely like narrow it down. The other thing that's going on too is, I mean, you have a um, metadata that's associated with each log event that's being ingested. So things like host ID, um, and that's where the, that's basically the container ID. Um, mm-hmm. That's coming okay. in later. So, so if you wanted to, it's very easy actually to say, "Go give me all the log events for this container." And so, if you wanted to look at that, you could. Um, I've never had a use case where like that was something that I needed to do. Um, so the but, answer, though, at the end of the day, the answer is no. The namespace is maybe down to the microservice level or some other logical level, but it has nothing to do with the physical architecture of the system. Physical architecture of the system being shortcut for me saying has nothing to do with what machines and what containers are actually running. You leave that out of your namespacing. Right, yeah. I mean, it, you can think of this as like, it's just telemetry that has a bunch of different properties associated with it, and then you can slice it and dice it every way. Uh-huh. I think even, I'm, I'm kind of using the word 
um, the term namespace in here a little loosely um, because the truth is like drilling down to the events for a particular service. You can really think of this as again, kind of more metadata on the log events themselves. Um, Okay. True namespacing. We do use that and we use that to separate out events between different environments. So like here at Kelsys, we'll, we typically have three separate um, environments running in the cloud. We'll have one for development where it's very unstable code. This is really for the developers to do their integration testing. It's very unstable, and it's really just for the developers. And we have a staging environment, environment which is really a pre-prod environment. Um, this is the um, where stable code should be, um, where we can show off demo new new features before they're ready to, to go to prod, get the get the final blessing. And then of course we have our prod environment. And that's where you know the real production code lives and, and breathes. So um, you know you can have obviously the same microservice running in all three environments. And it's pretty important to know, hey, like I only want to look at the the uh, the events in development or I only want to alarm on the events in prod. Like I wouldn't want to alarm on the events in dev. Um, that would probably be um, way too chatty and, and not too terribly useful. So there is um, a namespacing feature in in Sumo Logic where we can basically um, just give it, like attach this namespace to these events. So we um, obviously environment for us um, usually it's specified via an environment variable um, on the host, and so on the actual agent itself, we'll configure the agent at run as it starts up as part of its configuration just to say, hey, your namespace is going to be like you're actually a collector for staging. So your name pre prefix this namespace of like staging environment to every one of the log events that you're ingesting, regardless of what service it is. And so that way now we have this further partitioning um, of our log events. Got it. Got it. Makes total sense. Cool. So now we can find the logs that we're looking for. We can find them by all kinds of different things by their namespace, by the microservice name, by the host, etc. So, uh, yeah, tell me about looking at them within. Sure, yeah. so, so, like I said, there's 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 tons of, of metadata properties on here. So there's things like timestamps. Um, so a lot of things that you get for free, right? So timestamps, like IP address, like where these things came from. So um, similar to you know obviously host name you have ip address so you have all those properties that you can go and search on so if you did want to see like show me all the events that were logged for my e-commerce microservice in the last 15 minutes really pretty simple easy to do um if i wanted to see it for a specific ip or specific host i could do that um and then beyond that it now becomes like okay how did you how do you structure your log events like what is the schema associated with them um and again this is we talked about this in one of the earlier episodes is you know we 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 definitely like the json format for our logs and to have a minimal schema associated with it so each one of these log events looks really similar across each service where it has a defined structure and at the high level it's got the same high-level properties and um, sub-objects in it. And then each one of the services can can amend that um, to do application-specific stuff that might be more interesting for each one of those. So, um, again, we have different levels that we log at. We talked about this debug, info, warning, error, critical, that kind of thing. Um, so if I want to go see all the 
the warning level events for the logs, that becomes really easy for me to go search on, right? There's a there's a very robust query language that all these log services have. Um, and Sumo Logic is no different. So it's um it's really, really powerful. It kind of it it's very similar to like SQL, um, but even easier, or it's kind of um if anyone's used like the JQ tool, um just really pretty easy to do these. Um, you're basically just doing your um, uh, pipeline filtering um, and you can just build these things together and just pipe the results to the next one. So I can, you can say, go um, filter for all warning events. And then you can say, and then I want only those warning events where they took longer than two seconds. And then I only want those warning events that were done for this particular user. And you can kind of just drill down this way. And then you can say, oh, I want to see like the top five um, events that took the longest to run or something like that. Um, so you can, there's so many different ways. It's very, very powerful. So many different ways you can slice and dice it to really narrow down like what it is that you that you want to, to find. But it's really going to be dependent upon you, what you, you know, the information that you're logging, sure. right? Sure, like right. If, if you have a, if, if it's not structured, if it's just a bunch of, you know, essentially printf and, and it's, that's not, it's going to be really difficult to make sense of it. Um, right. Um, one thing that occurred to me while you were describing how powerful the query language was and how, you know, how well you can essentially filter what you're looking at uh, was, can you do that live? Can you say, essentially like the same as tailing a log, can you say, all right, I want to see these as they come in, but only show me, you know, things that have this user or only show me things that come from this particular container instance. Can you do that and, and have it be essentially like a tail? Um, so, so Sumo Logic definitely has a tail feature. Um, and, and, is it, and is it filterable with the same query language? You know, and I don't know. I've never actually... Um, it's never been something that uh, I've needed to do. And um, sure. in the past that definitely didn't have that functionality it it may i wouldn't be surprised if if they if they do now um uh-huh. so it, it may very well be possible um but at the very least yeah you can you can absolutely have this tail feature where basically you're 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 on their website you're looking at the stuff um and it's just auto updating for you and you can see these log as the log events get get collected and shipped over to to sumo logic they'll 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 be refreshed and popped up on your screen. So you can see that. Um, and, and actually I, I totally will um, amend that you, that <laughs> tail is based upon a query that you built. So okay. you can, you can say, here's the query I want to go. I'm going to go look for all events by this user. And then you can say, now I want to do a live tail. Um, cool. And it will filter on that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, hopefully you're not, in that situation where you, you have to be monitoring logs as they happen, but it's great that you can. And I guess another thing that I've noticed that we do that's a little di- different than my own past experience working on enterprise apps as, as more of a developer is that we look to the logs as opposed to the database for a lot of information that we want. So I think in my own past experience when we, you know, maybe there was a some sort of to-do list and you're looking to see if somebody checked off something, you would immediately go to the database to go see if and when they did check that off because that would be stored in the database. But I've noticed that we often go to our logs to look for that kind of information. Can you talk about um, searching the logs and what we use that for that, that may have changed a little bit since the advent of these kinds of services? 
Yeah, and maybe just uh, help me understand a little bit more the the situation. So, in, sure, sure. So, so you're, look, you're looking in the database for is this like for, to see like whether a particular feature was was coded no, or no, 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 no. Um, whether a user actually did something. So in the cases okay. I've seen have been like, hey, some so and so filled out this audit and and you know had a hard time submitting it or whatever. And often, I guess in my past that would involve some database querying. And from mm-hmm. what I've seen, when we troubleshoot that stuff at Kelsis uh, for one of our big clients, we're just hitting Sumo logic and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I do not want any of my developers touching like the production database or... Sure, you sure. Know, I mean, there's so much that can go wrong with that. So yeah, so a big, a big strategy here is like, yeah, your log events are super super powerful, super critical um, for troubleshooting, debugging, kind of understanding what your system's doing. So as you write in your code and as you choose what it is that you want to log and, and what information goes with that log event, be very careful about that. Be very thoughtful about that um, and include the information that you need um, so that it's all right there for you. So that's exactly what we do. So that it's very rare where we actually have to... Um, go and, and, and take a peek at the actual database to see what's going on. Usually our logs will give us all the, the, the footprints that we need um, to go trace the trail back to what happened. Cool. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's a real transition. I would say that, that in 2000, even as recently as 2006, 7, 8, that is not how people were doing things. No, absolutely not. I mean, well, and, I mean at that point, log files were just mostly just like printf statements too, right? Like right. entering function, leaving function type thing. So right. um, JSON really wasn't even highly adopted at that point. Um, yeah, so, and we can even nudge it forward in 2010, 11, 12, also still not really doing this. I think I think maybe it was, was do you think it was Splunk that kind of made, the, made this the reality of how software gets developed and, and troubles, you know, troubleshooting happens? Um, you know, I don't know if it was, it was Splunk. I think, um, a lot of this becomes the, the natural consequence of just the, of just how things are being architected and the complexity of them. So you have things like cloud computing and now you have, you know, just, um, N number of instances of the same thing running. So you really can't like SSH into a machine and looking at logs doesn't give you the whole picture anymore. That doesn't work. And it's also just too many log events. You have so much load going on. And um, so you just need something else to deal with this. And there's, there's been a lot of, of tools out there and in the open source world and various ways of doing it. And then, you know, other companies, they, they saw the opportunity, right? Like, People are doing this stuff. They're reinventing the wheel. They're doing it all in house. It's it's hard to get right. So, like this should be a service. This this is a company, right? And and that's right. what happened. Um, and so just the whole concept of understanding like what your code is doing um, when it's running in production environments and 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 just instrumenting it and getting monitoring it and getting the real time insights and performance like. That's just a whole big segment of the market that folks like Splunk, um, New Relic, um, uh, Datadog. It just there's just tons of companies in that space, and, and yeah, logging totally. is definitely one part of that. Well, cool, excellent. I think that that is a great sort of summary. That's where we where we've landed, and and you know the the future is more and more dependent on logging and taking advantage of the information in those logs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rich. And thank you, Chris. Yeah. Talk thanks, to you guys. next week. All right. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash three two. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.